ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد Today then, the hadith where Al-Imam Al-Bukhari says, قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا عَلِي قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا هِشَامْ قَالَ أَخْبَرَنَا مَعْمَرْ عَنِ الزُّهْرِ حَا وَحَدَّثَنِي أَحْمَدِ بْنُ صَالِحِ قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا عَنْبَسَهِ قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا يُونُسْ عَنِ بْنِ شِهَاب قال أخبرني يحيى بن عروة ابن زبير أنه سمع عروة بن زبير قالت عائشة رضي الله عنها سأل أناس النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم عن الكهان فقال إنهم ليسوا بشيء فقالوا يا رسول الله فإنهم يحدثون بالشيء يكون حقا قال فقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم تلك الكلمة من الحق يخطفها الجني فيقرقرها في أذن وليه كقرقرة الدجاجة فَيَخْلِطُونَ فِيهِ أَكْثَرَ مِنْ مِئَةِ كَذْبَةِ In this hadith then, it mentions that some people, they asked the Prophet ﷺ about fortune tellers, soothsayers. That some people, they asked the Prophet ﷺ about these sorcerers, fortune tellers, soothsayers. <coughs> Everybody knows those meanings, sorcerers, fortune tellers, soothsayers. This is all under the broad banner of Al-Quran. So some people they came asking the Prophet ﷺ about these fortune tellers. فقال, so he said to them, إِنَّهُمْ لَيْسُوا بِشَيْءٍ That they are nothing. They are nothing. فقالوا, so then they said, يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ O Messenger of Allah, فَإِنَّهُمْ يُحَدِّثُونَ بِالشَّيْءِ يَكُونُ حَقَّا That O Messenger of Allah, they sometimes speak of an affair, which is the truth, that sometimes what they say, it comes true, it is true. قَالْ فَقَالَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ so the Prophet ﷺ said, تِلْكَ الْكَلِمَةُ مِنَ الْحَقِّ That statement of truth, that they say, that statement of truth, يَخْطَفُهَا الْجِنِّيُّ The jinni, they eavesdrop, and take that speech from the heavens, and then فَيُقَرْقِرُهَا فِي أُذُنِ وَلِيِّهِ كَقَرْقَرَةِ الدَّجَاجَةِ Then they come back, those jinnis, they come back to this fortune teller, to their wali, and they narrate what they heard to him. But the wording here says, فَيُقَرْقِرُهَا فِي أُذُنِ وَلِيِّهِ كَقَرْقَرَةِ الدَّجَاجَةِ That they 
when they are narrating it to these fortune tellers, those jinn, when the jinn come back and narrate to the fortune tellers, they are doing so like, and we're back to English words again, I think it's clacking. What sound does a chicken make? Huh? Clocking? Clucking? Clucking, I'm not convinced, but okay, clucking. The chicken, the sound that the chicken makes. Clucking, okay, if the majority are saying it, if it's wrong afterwards, you take the blame. The clucking of a chicken. The, huh? Clucking, okay. So the clucking, or clucking as the, the speakers here seem to say, the noise that the chicken makes, the chicken when it's with its beak, so that those jinnis, they come back and they are narrating it in that way. The point of it is that when the chicken is making those noises, it's all just mumble. It's mumble jumble when a chicken is just clacking or clucking away. So they are saying these jinnis are coming back and they are narrating all these things to the fortune teller and in amongst that is this word that they have eavesdropped from the heavens. And then the fortune tellers mix that up with a hundred lies. This narration is the same as other narrations that talk about how the jinn steal information from the heavens. That a jinni will stand on top of the back of another jinni. Then another one will stand on top of his back. And then another one will stand on top of his back. Then another one on top of his back. So they're climbing up and up, standing on top of each other's backs. And they climb up and up and up until they reach the heavens. And then they listen to see if they can hear some information that may be of use to them. So they listen and they eavesdrop until they catch some information. Then when they catch some information, the top one, he passes it on to the one whose back he is standing on. He passes it on to the next one. He passes it on to the next one. He passes it on to the next one until it comes right back down to the earth, the bottom of the pile. And then they go with that speech that they have eavesdropped and they take it to the fortune tellers, to the sorcerers, to the soothsayers and they narrate that to them. What they heard there, what they eavesdropped, what they stole, that speech is obviously truth. They have eavesdropped that from the heavens. That's truth. They've come and given that to the fortune teller. The fortune teller then when people come to him uh, and they have the crystal ball and they have the cards and they do this with you, all those things that they do. He does all of that, <coughs> lying upon lying, lies and lies that he feeds the people. And then somewhere in all of those lies, he adds in this little bit of a statement which he got passed on from the jinn, which is a true statement so then these people go away from this fortune teller crystal ball everything all that business they go away and everything he told them all of those lies none of it comes true all of these different things this is gonna happen and that's gonna happen and all the different things he tells them none of it happens except one thing does end up occurring like he said, the one which he was given from the, the jinn. So then the people, after they go away, what do they remember? Do they remember the millions of lies, none of it which came true? Or do they remember the one thing, look, that's what he said that time when we went. He said it was going to happen like this and look what's happened. What do they remember? The one that actually happened, that's all they're going to remember. All of the other hundreds of lies, they are forgotten and gone. But one thing turns out how he had said, now all of a sudden you remember he said, 
You remember that time he was saying it's going to be like X, Y, and Z, and look what's happened. So now all of a sudden that takes center stage. Because that's occurred as he said. All of the millions, as we say in the phrase of lies, they are forgotten. But the one truth then suddenly sticks out. And then the people as a consequence keep going back to them. He spoke the truth. That thing happened exactly how he said it was going to happen. And so they return again and again and again. We know that all of these types of things Islamically are haram. Magicians, magic, haram completely. You cannot be a magician unless you are a kafir. Because to become a magician, you must become a kafir. There is the story you mentioned before many times. The story about the man who had a neighbor that was a magician. So this man saw these strange things that his neighbor could do. All these weird and wonderful things his neighbor could do. And he knew his neighbor is a magician. So he, miskin, went to his neighbor and said, I want to be a magician like you. What do I do? How can I do what you do? All of these amazing things. I want to be able to do it too. So tell me, how do I become a magician like you? He said to him, go to a particular lake. Gave him some location of a lake somewhere. And said to him, go there at the time of Maghrib. Go to this particular lake at the time of Maghrib. This is a true story. Go to this lake at the time of Maghrib. So this man, he goes to that lake at the time of Maghrib, just before Maghrib now, about to be Maghrib. And when he gets to the lake, the fish come to the surface. They come to the edge. They come to the surface of the lake. And they say to him, basically to the effect that you're here to be a magician then. You've been, they were talking to him, that you've been sent to become a magician, etc. What you need to do then, first step, first step to become a magician, right now, it's just Maghrib time coming right now. Miss your Maghrib prayer. Miss your Maghrib prayer, then the next step will be given to you. Want to become a magician, that's why you're here. First step, miss your Maghrib now. When it's gone, the time is finished, you've missed it, then the next step will come. So the fish came and talked to him at the edge of the lake, the jinni, <coughs> etc., whatever's going on. The man said that even though he was miskeen in terms of knowledge, hadn't learnt anything much about Quran, Sunnah, knowledge-wise, but he said one of the things that he did know as a young child growing up, his parents had always taught him five prayers a day. They had raised him upon offering his five obligatory prayers every day. That much he absolutely knew. That as a Muslim, I must pray my five prayers every day, raised up in that way. Didn't have knowledge otherwise generally, but that much he'd been raised upon. So he said, when they said to me, miss your Maghrib prayer, he said straight away, shock went into me. Miss the prayer miss a prayer and he said basically it was too much he knew straight away that is impossible how can you miss a prayer and he ran away ran away didn't carry on with the rest of the initiation ran away from that and left that affair he said i recognized i knew prayer you cannot miss how can you miss a prayer but the point is look at what they did to become a magician the first thing you do is become a kafir abandon your prayers Stop your prayers and then we'll see what to do next. There's other narrations, all these are true stories. They once uh, caught a magician. They did like a raid as we say. They did a raid on a house which they believed, this was in one of the Arab countries, in a house where they believed it was a magician. They did a raid and it turned out it was a magician in there. When they raided his house, 
in the like the living room, the main room, they found in the middle of it a pile of feces. Piled up feces in the middle of the room. And he was made the jinni or the jinn who were working with him. Because the magician, they are magicians with the help of those jinn and the shayateen. So the jinn and the shayateen that this magician was being subservient to, he was obeying them so that they would then help him to do all the weird and wonderful magic acts. They had said to him in this pile of feces, that's where you sleep next to it. That's where he used to sleep on the pile of feces. They found also in his home in the raid, uh, pictures drawn onto the walls of naked women or naked people and ayat of the Quran written inside. This is what the shayateen of the jinn were making him do. This is what they wanted. You have or you are to be upon kufr. Upon kufr, do these acts of kufr. And then you can be the magician and we'll help you do whatever we do. So this is how magic is. These are all true stories. There's another story they mention as well, and I'm uh, certain this is true as well. It was mentioned that there was uh, one incident where there was a magician. And he used to say to the people, bring your swords and try and chop my hand off if you can. And they used to come, the big strong man with a huge sword and onto his hand and nothing. The sword isn't going through his hand. A big knife, nothing going through. Stop there. And it was because this magician was obeying some jinni, some shaitan, and that shaitan would come and wrap himself around the arm of that magician, and they would strike and they'd be hitting upon this jinni, upon this shaitan, whatever, however he was protected, however it works. But the sword wouldn't then penetrate and go through the hand of the magician. This is how magic works. They work with the shayateen of the jinn. They obey and submit to the shayateen of the jinn in order to be able to do their magic. Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah ta'ala mentioned the magicians of the olden times when they used to fly on their carpets. That's a real thing the magicians they used to do. The flying on the carpet thing. They would fly on the carpet. And Shaykh al-Islam said, if a person of Iman, a person of Iman, recited Ayatul Kursi upon him, upon this magician on his carpet flying, recited Ayatul Kursi, a person of Iman, understanding, knowledge, Iman, Taqwa, Recited Ayatul Kursi, Shaykhul Islam said the carpet would fall, the magician would fall, because the shayateen carrying him cannot handle Ayatul Kursi. They cannot handle the ayat of Allah, the tawheed of Allah. And so a man of taqwa recites that upon them. Shaykhul Islam said the carpet with the magician would collapse. Those shayateen holding him up and flying with him, they couldn't handle Ayatul Kursi. So this is what magic is and the point of all of that here when they came to the Prophet and they asked him about these fortune tellers, these sorcerers, magicians, all of them under the broad same category, then this is what it is and this is why it is haram. So that's why with magicians it is completely impermissible to have any interaction with magicians. It is impermissible obviously as we're going to cover here as well to go to a magician or a fortune teller, crystal ball and tarot cards and reading your palm and give me some details, your mother's name, your maiden name, blah, blah, blah. And then they tell you all of these types of people going to them is haram. Having any type of research or interest in them and examining is impermissible. You can't listen to a radio show that is interviewing a magician one day. And you say, I'm not watching him, it's not TV, it's nothing. I'm just going to listen. Not even that. You cannot read websites or articles written by magicians and how they do their magic. Haram for you to be reading into this type of thing. You cannot watch it on TV either. 
even if the people claim, but these shows, they aren't really magic, they are just uh, tricks that they do, they organize it, they have strings attached here on the set, strings here, strings under the car, all these things, and you can't tell on the camera how they do it, it's just an entertainment show. Haram. Haram to be watching it. They are presenting it as magic. Regardless of strings and whatever's going on, they are presenting it as magic to you. It is haram to watch anything of that sort. You can extend that to any type of affair that is related to magic. These days, all of these types of books and literature that they write, all based upon magic, these Harry Potter books and everything upon magic, you do not as a Muslim become engaged in any of those types of affairs whatsoever. So here they came to the Prophet ﷺ asking him about these fortune tellers and that they sometimes speak the truth. So the Prophet ﷺ explained that this truth is the word or the speech that they've stolen from the heavens. And we know in the other narration it talks about that when they climb on their backs and when they steal something, there are shooting stars. One of the purposes of the stars is rujuman shayateen that they are pellets, shooting stars against those shayateen. So it mentions in another narration sometimes when they eavesdrop and steal something, the shooting star may hit them their column before the information is passed on. But sometimes they may manage to pass it on before they are struck down from the top with the shooting star. So here now, as Shaykh al he says, Al-Kuhan, humu al-ladheena yukhbiruna anil mughayyabat fil-mustaqbal. The Kuhan, the fortune tellers, they are the ones who tell you about what's going to happen in the future. They are the ones who tell you what's going to happen in the future, the crystal ball and all that business. So they say, that such and such is going to happen on this particular given day in the future, or in this given month in the future, or in this given year in the future, such and such is going to happen. وَهَذَا مِنْ عِلْمِ الْغَيْبِ الَّذِي لَا يَطَّلِعُ عَلَيْهِ إِلَّا اللَّهِ That is of course claiming to have knowledge of the unseen that nobody has except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala claiming that you know what's gonna happen on this day or that day or this month or that year that is claiming to have knowledge of the unseen Knowledge which is only with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why the one who claims to have knowledge of the unseen, then it is a form of kuhr. And that is mentioned in Kitab al-Tawheed and also in Usul al-Thalatha. Where? At the end. Where at the end? What are they? Uh-huh. You're right, at the end of the three fundamental principles, for all of the brothers here who, mashallah, have done the three fundamental principles and memorized it, but were perhaps shy to put their hands up, at the end of the three fundamental principles, it mentions about the tawagheet, the taagut, and the taagut, the definition of it is that which transgresses the boundaries, the taagut, that which transgresses the boundaries, and one of the categories mentioned there was the one who claims knowledge of the unseen, the one who claims knowledge of 
the unseen, ilm al And it's mentioned how they do that the same as the shayateen of the jinn. That the shayateen of the jinn will cooperate with them because they submit to them. And a person comes in saying, I've lost something, I need some knowledge about something. The shayateen of the jinn with their speed, they will go and they will search and they will find that thing. Maybe your wallet. They will go and search and find that wallet and come back and tell this fortune teller. He will tell them your wallet is in such and such a place. And they go, it's there. That is from the shayateen of the jinn, all of this. And there are many stories, all of them true, of the shayateen of the jinn and the magicians and how they do things. There is a, a narration, true, that there was a person who claimed to be a healer. Somebody who can heal people. He can heal people. So the people who were ill or had some ailment of some sort, they would go to him and he would diagnose them by just looking at them. He would sit down with that person in a circle. In fact, let me give the full details. He would sit down with this patient who comes in, in a circle, an actual circle, a round circle. Sit in a circular shape. The patient, him, and the rest of the people in the circle, children. There would be children in that circle, and him and the patient. The children would all go into a trance, and then they would start talking. He's here, he's here, meaning the jinni. And he's saying that this patient has a problem with this or that or something in their body. And then this man, this magician would say to that person, well, uh, I know now that you have an issue here, there, whatever. And it's exactly like that. The patient would say, you're right, yes, here I had some surgery, here I had some other problems. The shayateen of the jinn. These are all the types of things that occur. So how does a person protect himself from this? It is real, magic is real. It occurs, many of the things that you may have heard about are real. The voodoo dolls and putting pins into them and that having an, an effect on somebody real. So how do you protect yourselves from these types of things and this magic going around and people engaging in it? How do you protect yourselves from it? Adhkar. Huh? Wudu. What's the first answer though? To be upon Tawheed. The Muwahid, a person of Tawheed, that is your first line of defense against the shayateen, against the evils, that you are upon Tawheed, upon the worship of Allah alone. You understand that every act of worship, your dua, your statements, your actions, all of it is for Allah alone. Worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone and do not associate any partners alongside him. That we sent to every nation a messenger preaching, worship your Lord alone and abstain, stay away, refrain. From the false deities. Ya qawmi ibadullah, ma lakum min ilahin ghayrah. As the prophets used to tell their people, O people, worship your Lord alone. You do not have any other deity to worship besides Him. And that's the meaning of la ilaha illallah. None has the right to be worshipped in truth except Allah. Tawheed. Wa ma khalaqtul jinna wal insa illa liya'budun. That I did not create the jinn of the humans except for them to worship me. Illa liya'budun with the meaning of illa liyuahidun. That they are upon tawheed, singling out their worship to me alone. So you do not make dua to others. You don't go and make dua to the dead people in the graves. They do not hear you. They do not answer your dua. They do not take your dua to Allah for you. Anybody who claims that, then he is claiming the same thing as the mushrikun claimed at the time of the Prophet 
they would say exactly that these individuals or these deities, they haven't created the world, they don't give life and death, but they take our dua to Allah for us. Because we're sinners and we're this and we're that, but they're righteous, they're close to Allah. They take our dua to Allah. We don't worship them except that they bring us closer to Allah. These are our intermediaries with Allah. That's what the mushrikun used to say at the time of the Prophet So a person who wishes to be upon defense, then the first thing is to uphold, rectify, solidify the tawheed in your hearts, in your actions, the singling out of Allah, your tawakkul, your dependence, your trust purely upon Allah, not upon the deceased in the grave, not upon the great wali as they may call him, nobody else, your trust is in Allah, your dua is to Allah, it is only Allah who will aid you, aid you and, and, and assist you and remove harm from you and keep you protected, nobody else. In the uh, ayat of the Quran, it mentions how in the olden times, they used to call upon the jinn, asking the leaders of the jinn to protect them from the other minor jinn. They would call upon the leaders of the jinn, asking them, please keep us safe from all of these other jinn. And that only increased the jinn in their transgression, increased the men in their fear. So the one who wishes protection, then the first thing is tawheed. Know what tawheed is and its definition, its practice. Then of course the dua, the adhkar that you do every day, morning, evening, after the prayers, before sleep, the supplications, the wudu to be upon that regularly, all of these affairs, the adhkar, the duas, it's not just about reading them. A person may say, I read them all the time, every day, I don't miss them ever, but still this and still that. The point of the duas isn't just reading them. The point of the duas is that you know and understand what you're reading. What's the meaning of this dua and what is Allah telling me in this dua? What am I asking for? How is this going to help me? Or uh, through Allah, how is this going to help me? You have to understand what those du'as mean, what they mean, what's behind them. They are all around, revolve around Tawheed. So a person has to understand those affairs for protection from the, uh, the jinn or the shayateen and magic. So here, the Prophet ﷺ mentioned, or uh, Shaykh Al-Thaymin mentions in the explanation so far, that a person who then claims knowledge of the unseen, uh, uh, is claiming something which only Allah has. And the Prophet ﷺ said in another hadith, مَنْ أَتَى كَاهِنًا فَصَدَّقَهُ بِمَا يَقُولُ فَقَدْ كَفَرَ بِمَا أُنزِلَ عَلَى مُحَمَّدِ Whomsoever goes to one of these fortune tellers or sorcerers and believes in what he says, then he has disbelieved in what was revealed upon Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. In An-Naml 65, Allah said, قُلْ لَا يَعْلَمُ مَنْ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ الْغَيْبَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ Say nobody from the heavens and the earth knows the unseen except Allah. But in the olden days in Jahiliyyah, these sorcerers or fortune tellers, they were highly regarded amongst the ignorant, and they would take them as the judges amongst them, and the people who they return back to to resolve their affairs. They in Jahiliyyah would raise these types of individuals. So the Prophet ﷺ told them in this hadith, لَيْسُ بِشَيْءٍ they are nothing. Those types of people, they are nothing. They are nothing. 
The only slight issue we've already mentioned, it's impermissible to get engaged in anything to do with that magic fortune teller, star signs, reading your star signs, haram, it's all the same type of thing, guessing the future, predicting the future, this is going to happen to you, that's going to happen to you. None of that is true, it is all lies. So you cannot get yourself involved in anything of that nature. Not even what they call the sleight of hand, where they are just tricks of the eye, tricks of the hand. Because magic is two types. There is the actual magic that impacts upon a person, makes him ill, can cause him to die. Actual magic like that, that goes upon a person. And then there is the sleight of hand as, as it's known as, deception and trickery, making something look like something, and in reality it isn't like that. And that type of magic is the type which they mention occurred with those magicians of Pharaoh. And at the time when that incident occurred, <laughs> how their sticks would look like they were snakes, but they were not in reality. It was from that deception of how it occurred, and the scholars, they mentioned it was chemistry. Some of it basically was chemistry. They put certain chemicals together within the sticks. When they react, they cause a movement. And so it looked like they were becoming snakes. It was a type of magic of that nature. But all of that is haram. Despite what the ignorant and the foolish and the misguided may try to claim, the likes of Al-Maghrib and these people who claim apparently that they are giving da'wah, and they will tell you sleight of hand and other things, it's not a big deal, it's not the black magic. All of it is haram. You do not get yourself engaged in any type of that magic. So then the shaykh, he mentions after that, uh, the only other point is, who can go to one of these fortune tellers or these types of people? Is it ever permissible to go to them? Possibly. The shaykh says, asking one of these fortune tellers or going to them, there's three situations. One is that a person goes there just out of curiosity to see what's going on, how is he doing, what he's doing, what's happening, curiosity only. Taking a step back, but curiosity. That in of itself is impermissible and the person's prayer will not be accepted for 40 days. Who does that? The one who goes there, talks to the fortune teller just out of curiosity. See what's going on, what is he saying? Is he going to guess something right about me? Curiosity. Haram. 40 days the prayer is not accepted. Another category is somebody who goes there, not just curiosity, but he's in that. He goes there believing he's going to get true information from him, believing he's going to get help from this fortune teller, goes there, believes in what he tells him. Then that is kufr, to believe in the fortune tellers and believe in their knowledge, their uh, lies of knowledge of the unseen. The third category, and the, the evidence for that is, مَنَاتَ كَاهِنًا فَصَدَّقَهُ بِمَا يَقُولُ فَقَدْ كَفَرَ بِمَا أُنزِلَ عَلَى مُحَمَّدٍ Whomsoever goes to these fortune tellers and believes what they tell him, then he has disbelieved in what was revealed upon Muhammad. And the third category is a person who goes there to basically, in a nutshell, refute that, that so, uh, fortune teller. Goes there to refute him, goes there, discusses or talks with him in order to expose him and his reality and refute him and his reality. That is only for the people of knowledge. Only for somebody qualified to be able to do that. Somebody of knowledge, of understanding, of firmness, of uprightness, ability, knowledge. They could possibly do that, the scholars they mention, yes, to the fortune teller, etc., to go and expose his reality, to discuss with him and tear apart his reality. Yes, that is possible, and in fact it may even be obligatory upon those of that stature to go and do that and to clarify and to expose these uh, fortune tellers and these sorcerers and their likes. But that is for the people of ability, understanding, knowledge and grounding, not for anybody to say, I'm going to do that. I'm going to go down, I'm going to see this one and that one and I'm going to find out, I'm going to refute him. 
What are you going to refute him on? You've not memorized a single hadith about magic yet. So do not be deceived into affairs that are not from your responsibility. So here it is only for the qualified, deeply understanding who can go and do that type of thing. That is the hadith here regarding magic. There are a few other issues the Shaykh talks about. One of the key ones is, is it ever permissible to cure magic with magic? Is it ever permissible to cure magic with magic? That there is some magic which has occurred to a person and the cure to it is to use some other magic to nullify it. Is that permissible or not? <coughs> not permissible. Anybody else? Is there a, a something good coming out of it? You're going to remove the magic from this person, but you're going to have to use other magic to do so. But in the end, you will have removed the magic from this person. Is there some good coming out of it? Arguably. But the issue is discussed amongst the scholars about removing magic with magic. It's not our discussion tonight, but in a nutshell, no. The scholars and the strongest and correct opinion regarding that is that it's not permissible to clear magic with magic. Because the very essence of using magic and going to magic from the very essence is impermissible. So you can't use it to say, but it's for a good cause, for a maslaha. So the many of the scholars, they don't accept this. There are some who do. And there is a discussion, but suffice to say for us tonight, the conclusion on that is, no, it is not permissible to use magic to cure magic. That brings us to the end of that narration, and that's where we are going to conclude slightly early today. Next week will be the final lesson on this book. And we will conclude, insha'Allah ta'ala, next week the final two hadith that remain. And that will be uh, approximately three years and three months. Three years and three months, I think, that we've been doing the book from the beginning to the end. How many pages? The actual explanation of a Sheikh al eight hundred and sixty, uh, 826 pages. 826 pages. So we've gone through all of that uh, in three years or so. Next week will be the final class on it, inshallah. After that then, the next book as well, so you can start buying the copies of the book, is going to be Kashf al-Shubuhat. The book of Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab, Kashf al-Shubuhat, in English known as the removal of the doubts, or maybe sometimes they translate it as the exposition of the doubts, the removal of the doubts or the exposition of the doubts by a Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab, Kashf al-Shubuhat. That will be the next course of study that is relatively short compared to this. That will not take more than four months as a maximum three or four months for the whole book takes maybe 15 or 16 sessions approximately for the whole book so that will be the next topic and that topic is all about tawheed it's all about uh, how people they say we're doing shafa'a with the prophet muhammad can you do shafa'a with the prophet muhammad how does that work details are all in this book when people, they claim they go to the dead and those dead are righteous and pious and they're going to take our dua to Allah. How does that work? Is that permissible? Is there even any type of intercession that is allowed? Then all of those types of details regarding Tawheed and Shirk are going to be detailed in that book, inshaAllah ta'ala. So try to get copies of that. Whoever's getting an Arabic copy, if you understand Arabic, and you're going to get the Arabic copies, come and speak to some of the brothers, they'll show you the exact copy to get, the one that we're going to use, if you're able to find that one, 
If not, then any will do a Sheikh Al-Fawzan, a Sheikh Al-Ithaymeen. If you're getting the English, then uh, whichever one, any English one, because the Arabic exact one we're going to use isn't in English anyway, that exact one, the explanation. The actual text, of course, is the same, any version you get. So in English, get any version that's available. A Sheikh Al-Ithaymeen is available. A Sheikh Fawzan. Kashf Shubhat, a Sheikh Fawzan. If a Sheikh Fawzan is available, if there is an English Sheikh Fawzan, Kashf Shubhat, prioritize that. Try and get a copy of Sheikh Fawzan's English one if that's available to get. If not, then there is Sheikh Al-Ithaymeen and other English Kashf Shubhat. Sheikh Saleh, Ali Sheikh. So that one is available too. In English, any. But try to prioritize the Sheikh Fawzan one. In Arabic, come and speak to the brothers. They'll show you a copy and a picture of the book. Exactly which type to get, inshallah ta'ala. So we'll round off on that for tonight. Any questions or anything else? I wanted to ask, does hypnosis fall under sorcery? It would appear so. Hypnosis and all of these types of techniques that they use, I'm not aware of their permissibility. Anything else? Yeah, so when those narrations talk about the prayer will not be accepted for 40 days, it doesn't mean that you then don't pray for 40 days. You must still pray. You must still pray. And the basis of your prayer having then been prayed, that's done. But in terms of reward, in terms of you benefiting from that, then for 40 days it doesn't exist. 40 days you are not rewarded upon it. But the basis of the prayer is, is there. You must pray. Basically a person shouldn't think that therefore you don't pray for 40 days. You must still pray. Predictions based upon cause, actual experienced causal factors is okay. That's like they say, farmers, they know exactly when to sow the seeds. Farmers in some land, wherever they are, whichever country, they know exactly which month to put their seeds in. And they know exactly which month to go and do the various agriculture of them. They know the routines in the year, exactly when to do it. Even before weather changes, they know this month it's got to be done. That isn't knowledge of the unseen, that is from actual experience, cause and effect, which is experienced and they know. So that's okay, that isn't knowledge of the unseen. General weather forecasts are not knowledge of the unseen. General weather forecasts, tomorrow it's going to be a sunny day. How do they know that? Because within a, 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 a thousand or a 500 mile radius of the United Kingdom, they can see on their satellite there isn't any clouds anywhere. So they expect tomorrow to be a sunny day, therefore. That isn't knowledge of the unseen. That is clear, you can see from their cause and effect, which is realistic. You see a big cloud, a big formation of clouds, and it's raining. And the wind is blowing to the direction of where you are. It's blowing at a certain speed. They can then do their maths and calculate when those clouds are going to land on top of you. And they can then estimate on their estimates at 7 p.m. tonight it's going to rain. Because they worked out the clouds are coming with an easterly wind at such and such miles per hour. Therefore, it will arrive here around 7 p.m. That isn't knowledge of the unseen. That is just estimates upon the causes. And that's not a problem. The problem is somebody says in 2027 there's going to be a drought and there's going to be this... That's now knowledge of the unseen. What are you talking about? Anything else? Um, what do we say to those people who do want very wonderful things um, that they've been given a gift from Allah? <laughs> Some people say, do say this, that they've been, they've been given a special gift from Allah. Special gift. <laughs> <laughs> they've been given a gift. This, uh, if you study the six fundamental principles, one of the principles in there is how to differentiate between those who have been given some miracle, which is possible, and we believe that Allah does give miracles to His awliya. How do you distinguish that this person has genuinely been given a miracle from Allah? 
to somebody who is working with the shayateen and it's not a miracle at all. That's mentioned in the six principles, it's mentioned in the other books as well, the book of Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, the famous one, the difference between the awliya of rahman and the awliya of shaytan. A person who's genuinely been given a miracle from Allah, then it will be a person who is upon obedience, uprightness, righteousness, prayer, tawheed, all of the signs of that goodness are upon him, and Allah may give a miracle to a person, uh, the karamat al-awliya. But as for a person who doesn't even bother praying, he's upon all types of haram, and then they say, we've been given miracles, this is a gift, and you don't even pray five times a day, or you miss some prayers, or you're late with your, this, that, the other, then that isn't a miracle he's been given, you know he's upon uh, the obedience to the shayateen and the jinn. So most of these people, the majority of them are liars. Miracles, we've been given gifts, we've been given, mashallah. It is a lie, it is a nonsense. These gifts that they claim to have been given, where have they been given them from? Who did they, how did they get these gifts? For what reason, for what purpose? What? All of it is lies from the majority of them. You clarify to them about the miracles which is studied in certain chapters in the books of Aqeedah. Miracles can happen for the awliya of Allah, just like miracles happen for the Prophet ﷺ. Miracles can happen for others too, not just the prophets, normal people, miracles can happen. But that's another topic as well, inshallah, one day we'll come to it. Anything else then? Last question, go on. So just to clarify then, a person who does like card tricks and sleight of hand, mm. is, is the actual act just kufr or would he instantly be a kafir then? No, not necessarily. If it is sleight of hand, then it's not actual magic. But his actions there are impermissible. They are impermissible, those types of actions and card tricks and other tricks with your hands and coins and all this. It's haram to be doing that type of thing. Haram to be doing that type of thing. But it doesn't necessitate kufr if it is just a string he's pulling and you can't see and it's quick movement and all these things. All right, we're going to conclude upon that for tonight then. Next week, inshallah, final class. And uh, try and get those books, the removal of the doubts in advance. Start looking at the bookshops, get your copies. It's a small book. Uh, I don't know, in English, maybe 70, 80, 100 pages or something. It's not big.